This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Okay, Freedom School. Of course, you know, in his, in his final uh, years of life, King was extremely concerned with poverty in American society. Um, he had uh, underwent, uh, you know, you know, taking efforts to try to address uh, uh, poverty in American society, right? And so, uh, you know, and especially when we think about uh, the relationship between King and, 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 and theoretical uh, or religious thought, uh, and we think about the way that Catholic social thought also has a concern for uh, uh, poverty, we can see that this is a, a, a pretty relevant topic. So we're going to look at, at capitalism and work. Important, we're going to do the underdevelopment of America and, and, and a little bit beyond. We'll talk about some international con uh, uh, consequences of, uh, of this underdevelopment, right? But I want to look at, I want you to kind of take a look at, <coughs> at, at the inequality that kind of exists uh, uh, in, in the world today. You see this, this is the average of what a family eats in a week. As a matter of fact, if you go on the internet, you'll see, uh, 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 I think it's what people eat, right? It's what people eat in a week, right? Or a family, right? You can see this family of four, you can see how much, uh, uh, this is a German family, okay? But you can imagine an American family wouldn't be too much too much different, right? And this is a, a, a family, underneath uh, is a, a family that lives in the Sudan. And you, you might not be able to see the pictures too well, right? You can see, uh, you know, uh, you can imagine the, you know, the inequality that exists, you know, uh, the, the hunger of having to uh, exist off of, a, you know, a, a very little few food in one week. And so, uh, we'll talk a little bit about this underdevelopment uh, from an American sense, and, and then I'm going to look at it from a, a little bit of a global, uh, uh, look at it globally, right? Now, what's going on here? With, with, we're seeing this creation of an underclass. By the way. I want you to know this is a very left-leaning lecture, right? You know, uh, and, and so it's left of center, okay? Uh, um, in many ways, uh, those who are left of center, they may be pretty good at, 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 at describing the problem, right? Describing the issues. Whether or not they're good at coming up with solutions to the issues, <laughs> that's a different story, right? We're really kind of good at, at describing the issues, right? So I just want you to know it's not all the way over to being a Marxist lecture, right? But it's going that way, okay? So let's talk a little bit about creating underclass, okay? And what we're talking about is this brutal and systematic underdevelopment of people in American society, this creation of a, of a working poor, right? And we see this creation of working poor in several different groups. We see them in, in, in migrant and agricultural workers. Uh, we see that whose work uh, tends to be seasonal. Uh, we see them in the urban poor group that I'm from. As a matter of fact, part of the reason why I, I uh, created this lecture in the first place was um, in the wake of Katrina. Um, you know, people were, if you know, remember Hurricane Katrina, the poor people in uh, New Orleans uh, were in dire straits. And after a few months, people were saying things like, well, uh, they wouldn't have been in that dire strait if they weren't poor, right? And, they, and they, the reason why they were, uh, uh, and they were only poor, uh, uh, because um, you know, because of their own <coughs> actions, right? And I decided, you know, hey, you know, that, that really wasn't right. And so I would want to take a look, uh, create this lecture to address some of those concerns. Uh, urban poor—that's the group that I'm from, uh, uh, in particular—and that's going to include domestic 
of domestic workers, service workers, and, 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 and unskilled workers. Okay? And then we're going to look at immigrant workers and undocumented workers. Uh, uh, Catholic Social Forum, of course, uh, calls those workers undocumented. Of course, uh, we know uh, uh, the other term for them would be illegal aliens, right? But uh, once again, you got to think of uh, 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 the source of this lecture as we go along. So I'm going to, you know, talking about Catholic social thought, so undocumented workers, and those undocumented workers tended to be tend to be uh, both rural and urban, so they, they fit into the other two categories. All right, and what, what we see is that they are the other side of the, probably the most rapid uh, capital accumulation um, uh, uh, in the history of, uh, 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 of the globe, right? Uh, that, that capital accumulation is going to come about partially because of industrialization. That industrialization is going to allow uh, certain groups across the globe to, uh, to ascend um, at the expense of, of other groups across the globe. Now what you're going to see happening here is that, that this creation of this working poor, this underclass, is going to be filled with all sorts of, uh, uh, of paradoxes, right? In many ways, we see that affluence in American society coexists with, uh, with poverty. For instance, if you were to go down to East Falls in, in Philadelphia, uh, that's an area where you'll find million dollar homes, right? That's an area where the governor uh, lives, right? Uh, uh, governor Rendell, right? And those homes are, you know, are, are pretty wealthy. The people there are, are pretty affluent. But if you just go three or four blocks across the tracks, you'll see uh, uh, low-income housing, right? A uh, uh, government subsidized housing, right? And so these poor people live really right next door to uh, some of the most affluent people in the city. So the, most, uh, the poorest people in the city live right next to the most affluent people in the city, right? Of course, what, what happens is that state and corporate power is going to be, uh, 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 going to be in many ways this product of, of worker powerlessness. And if you look at American society today, we start to see that work of powerlessness really start to uh, uh, really expand, right? Uh, 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 workers are becoming, you know, uh, less powerful, right? And as you see, as you see, workers becoming less powerful, you see the gap, uh, the income ga gap, really increases. So that in American society today, about about one percent of Americans own. 50% uh, of the wealth in American society, and that gap is getting larger, right? And so what's happening is that income mobility for a few is going to be, it's going to be rooted in uh, income stasis for, uh, 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 for the many, right? And so while, yes, we do have mobility in American society, let there be no doubt about it, but that upward mobility is only going to be for the few, not for the it's not, the dream might be there, but the reality uh, uh, is, is, is not there, right? And what we're gonna see is that the working poor is integrated well within this system, right? Uh, and, and they are integrated uh, through institutional <coughs> sexism, uh, institutional racism, institutional elitism, class, right? And that, uh, all that's going to create that poverty, right? Uh, and what happens is that you really maximize oppression uh, at the same time that you maximize profits, right? And so there is profit in poverty, okay? And we'll, we'll talk about that profit in poverty. Not only uh, uh, and poverty as labor, 
but also profit and poverty as consumers as well, right? And so this working class, uh, they are part of American society. Uh, they are faceless, but they're not excluded. You might not know their names, right? You, you know, you know, you know, but they are present, you know, within American society. They are just uh, at the bottom of American society, and they're going to be exploited both as workers and as consumers, right? And so they're never going to be equal partners in the social contract, that contract that, that creates nation in the first place, never equal partners in that contract. And, and, and in many ways, the system is designed not to develop, but it is designed in many ways to underdevelop, to keep a, uh, in, in place a permanent working, uh, working poor uh, that's going to create profits, right? And what we see happening is that, that, that they are going to be kept in place through this collective discrimination that, that's going to, uh, 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 that exists in American society, whether it be sexism, racism, class, what have you. Okay? And the bottom line is that, uh, uh, that, this, uh, 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 that collective discrimination has historically and, and continues to be, uh, to be kept in place through intimidation, through fear and often through violence, of course, often taking different forms, right? Uh, 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 throughout the uh, throughout American history, we see it coming coming in different forms, right? Uh, uh, for instance, uh, in, in American society today, uh, the number one crime is domestic violence, easily, easily, right? Keeping women in their place, right? Uh, now, what we ha have historically, uh, this is taking place uh, with the asset asset of the West, right? And what we see uh, is that the industrial nations, the Europe, uh, 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 America, and eventually Japan, we, we, we throw into the mix, right? They have this drive to control the world's uh, both human resources and natural resources. So it's about uh, who's going to have control over global resources, both human and both natural, right? And, and what we see happening is that uh, 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 this, this control of, of human and natural resources that have led to this capital accumulation. But you gotta remember how that capital accumulation is going to come about. It's going to come about through creating colonies, and colonies, of course, are going to be exploited. It's going to come about through uh, piracy. You know, uh, 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 the Spanish considered the, uh, the Seahawks, you know, the Hollywood makes a big issue out of the Seahawks, you know, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh and, and, and Scott and all those uh, English, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, privateers is what England called them. Um, the Spanish and the Portuguese called them pirates, plain and simple, right? They stole the money from the Spanish and the Portuguese, right? Now, of course, one could suggest that, the, and they do, that the Spanish and the Portuguese stole the money from the Americans, right? But we see that that's going to create, still through that piracy, we still see that, uh, that capital accumulation. The slave trade, pretty lucrative. The slave trade, not slavery, but the slave trade itself is a very pretty lucrative uh, uh, business, right? You gotta think that you buy a slave for $15 in Africa, you sell that slave for $45 in, in, in American society, right? Uh, uh, and, uh, and so you triple the value of, of your price of a slave, right? Very lucrative, allowing for capital accumulation. The drug trade, you gotta think that England fought two wars that forced China to accept opium, right? The Chinese tried to keep opium out of their country. The English wanted to, wanted, 
to use opium as a trade commodity, and in order to use opium as a trade commodity, they forced two separate wars against China that opened up China to, uh, 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 to the opium market, right? And of course, allowing the British to accumulate large funds of uh, sums of money, but not just the British, the Americans, the French, uh, the Russians, and the Japanese as well, right? And so what we see is that this, that, that domestic development is tied to the control of foreign markets and people, right? And so you want to, uh, you want to, uh, 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 you want to control your, the markets not only at home, but you want to control the markets uh, overseas as well. And so what you do is you take the raw materials from overseas, you bring them home, you make a product out of them, and then you turn around and you sell those products right back to uh, 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 where you got the raw materials from, right? It's a win-win situation, and so you control uh, uh, both the raw materials and, and the production of, of, of goods, right? And what you do with, in order to do that is you underdevelop uh, uh, labor, right? You underdevelop industries overseas. For instance, in Africa, uh, the only industries uh, that were ever created in Africa were created to extract materials from, or uh, extract uh, raw materials from the, uh, uh, from the land. For instance, you, you might have a tanning industry in order to tan hides in order to uh, uh, send them overseas for sale, right? Uh, uh, and so you would create an infrastructure, not an infrastructure that would lock the nation together, that would you know, have in, uh, travel between separate towns within a nation, but you would create a, an infrastructure that's only for extracting. So all the roads, the roads don't connect the cities, the roads only connect from one city to the sea, from another city to the sea another city to the sea, rather than connecting those cities, right? Uh, you just create an infrastructure for, uh, for extraction, right? And so you underdevelop, right? You underdevelop uh, 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 people, and you underdevelop uh, 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 the infrastructure as well, right? And of course, all of that's going to create economic and cultural chaos. It creates uh, economic and cultural chaos pretty much everywhere it goes especially, uh, you know, uh, uh, for those nations that produce raw materials. As a matter of fact, you're forcing them to produce raw materials. Back to opium. For instance, uh, 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 in, 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 you know, England takes over, the British take over India. They force Indians to stop producing cloth. India used to be the largest producer of cloth. They stop them from producing cloth. They tell them that you have to pay taxes can't pay for the taxes with the cloth they used to produce, so now they have to come up with raw materials to pay the taxes that the British have assessed on them. Some people call that extortion, but of course the British call it taxes, right? Now, in order to pay off those taxes, they grow cotton, and they grow tea, and they grow opium. The British take that opium, and they force it onto the Chinese markets. So they've got the Indians growing the raw materials, and they got the markets over in, in, in China to, uh, 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 to explore, right? And you gotta think of all the economic and cultural chaos that that creates, right? That village system in Indian society that depended on claw, now, because you got this cheap British claw, it just, that whole village system just simply falls apart, economic and cultural chaos pretty much um, everywhere, right? And of course, there's economic amnesia. You know, <laughs> you know, I say 
I say to my students, well, you guys, right? My students, right? I say to you, I ask you, I say, who won the American Revolution? You say, we won the American Revolution. I say, who owned slaves? You say, they owned slaves. I get confused. I totally get confused. Because it seemed to me that the same we that won the American Revolution also owned slaves. But we get an economic amnesia. Right? We don't remember, we you know, remember, remember the good, but we don't want to remember uh, the bad. Think about how many movies you've seen about slavery as opposed to how many movies you've seen about the Holocaust. It's okay for us to look at someone else's abuse, but our own abuse we, we, we tend to stray from. Right? Now, of course, there are going to be all sorts of dynamics of this degradation that's going to create this economic inequality that, that I'm speaking of, right? I might go a little fast because I want to get to the working poor because after all, those are my peeps, right? That's where I'm from. Okay, so I will talk a little bit about them especially, right? All right, now, of course, we have migrant and agricultural workers uh, that are part of this uh, underclass, this working poor, right? And those workers tend to be seasonal. You know, they work especially during harvest time, during planting time, and it's migratory too. They sort of follow, you know, uh, uh, from state to state. You know, they follow those seasons, the harvest season and the planting season from state to state, right? And oftentimes they work for contracts. Uh, 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 they work uh, uh, very low wages. Uh, you know, the win minimum wage does not apply to those agricultural workers, and so you can kind of pay them, you know, uh, uh, pretty much a uh, you know, uh, uh, under, under minimum wage, right? Uh, 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 at one point in time, we had a sharecropping and a tenant farming system that created a lot of debt, right? In other words, uh, you're going to see that people who were, it didn't make any difference if you were a sharecropper or a tenant farmer. The only difference was if you were a tenant farmer, you were supposed to be buying land. Of course, you stayed in the cycle of poverty, so you never got enough money to ever buy the land, right? Uh, 90% of the tenant farmers were white. 90% of the sharecroppers were black, but they both were in the same situation. Okay, so it's not, not too much of a different situation, but lean system, right, meant that you gotta think that I'm starting off, I don't own anything. You know, uh, you know the goal was that you and me, you own the land, I work the land. When time comes for, uh, you, know, you know, to have the crops, then we divvy it up, you take half, I take half. But of course, I don't own anything. So I have to pay him not only the half of the crop, but I gotta pay him for rent, I gotta pay him for food, I gotta pay him for clothes, I gotta pay him for seeds, I gotta pay him for equipment. So that by the end, of, by the time it comes for us to divvy up, not only do I not get the 50% the that, you know, that I thought I was gonna get, but I actually owe 10% from next year's crop. And so I'm in a cycle by that. Then I become in a cycle, right? And so that becomes a cycle of debt. You know, I, you make, they arrange for me to, to have credit at the general store. Of course, the general store has inflated prices. I'll talk more about inflated prices when I look at the urban poor, right? Okay? And of course, the people end up, you know, in this cycle of debt. They end up, uh, you, know, you know, hopeless. And so, you know, turning to alcohol, turning to drugs. And, uh, and so forth, and then, you know, uh, 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 you know, unable to uh, get out of uh, out of that type of system. You add to that system by giving them inadequate housing, right? The, the 
very temporary housing, but you have high rents on those houses, on that housing, right? And so, uh, you know, it becomes another way uh, uh, of exploiting, you know, the, those workers, right? So you have high rents, and of course, you can create all sorts of legal ways to imprison them and then work them, right? And so, uh, you know, you create a, a what we call convict lease. A convict lease is this, okay? It depended on, on, on vagrancy laws, right? Uh, uh, this is what happened. So I'm on the street, minding my own business. I'm black out on the street, minding my own business. It's planning time, right? The sheriff comes along and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything. Yep, you're a vagrant. And so he puts me in jail, and then he takes and he hires me out to the local plant for planting season or, you know, you know, harvest season or what have you, right? And uh, and then uh, and then once my sentence is over with, my sentence usually coincides with with whenever the work is over with, right? Once the work is over with, so is my sentence. Of course, they they uh, they morph into chain gangs, and we see chain gangs, especially in the southern states like Mississippi, Alabama. We see a resurgence of them now, right? And uh, once again, depending on on vacancy laws, right? All right, now, urban poor. It's me, urban poor, right? When I first came to Villanova, you know, uh, 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 I never made more than $14,000 in my life, right? And I was, what? I was, I was, I was 41 when I got to Villanova, right? And I had raised a family of four, right? I didn't even know I was poor until I got to Villanova. And I found out, hey, I'm, I was poor, right? Okay? But I'm from the urban <coughs> poor, right? Okay? Tended to be domestic workers, uh, 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 you know, uh, often ending up in housekeeping, <coughs> they end up as cooks, they end up as servants. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, many of them are in the service industry. For instance, my mother uh, <coughs> spent, uh, uh, did domestic and service kind of work uh, at the same time. She, uh, she worked at a drugstore right next to Johns Hopkins, right? All during the 50s, all during the 60s. She worked at the lunch counter at the drugstore uh, where black people couldn't eat, right? And so she's, uh, uh, she worked in a segregated, in, in a segregated uh, uh, store right next to Johns Hopkins University, right? Uh, ended up as clerks, hotel, uh, daycare, home care, uh, uh, you know, that daycare and that home care is dangerous. Okay, you take low paying jobs, you give low paying jobs to people, and then you give those people who have these low paying jobs your family members. It's crazy. It's crazy. And your family members get abused. I know it for a fact, I've seen it. I've seen them, I've seen low income uh, day workers feed disabled people mentally ill people, feed them uh, a, 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 a whole meal in like five minutes. Just scoop the food down their throat. Scoop the food down their throat, right? Uh, uh, I spent, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the reasons why I, I'm never really sorry for you guys, if you, if you guys say, well, I had to work, don't mean anything to me, right? Because I, I, I mock floors at a mental institution to get through college, right? So that you guys can't tell me about I had to work. <laughs> okay, so. It's crazy, right? Um, you know, so I was a, a housekeeper, right? Housekeeping, one of the trends 
One of the trends, and I'll talk about it, you know, well, I'll talk about it right now. One of the trends that we see here, even at Villanova. When I got to Villanova 20 years ago, when I got to Villanova 20 years ago, everybody who worked at Villanova was a Villanova employee. Everybody, housekeeper, bookstore, uh, 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 food service. Everybody was a Villanova uh, was a Villanova employee. Everybody got Villanova benefits. If I was a if I was a housekeeper, I could send my child to Villanova. You know, not a whole lot of housekeepers did, but I did have that possibility, right? I got good benefit package. I had you know retirement. I had all of it, right? But in the name of saving money. Villanova gets rid of all of its kind, those types of workers. For now, our housekeeping is done by a private organization, by a private company. Our food service, private company. Bookstore, you guys just seen, the private company took over the bookstore. I went over and talked to the guy in September. I talked to the guy at the bookstore. I said, is your job going to be okay? He said, oh, yeah, it'll be okay. A month later, he was gone. He's been at Villanova ever since I've been at Villanova. Right? And a month later, he's gone. I'm saying to myself, oh wow, you know, can teachers be too far away? <laughs> you know, they might find the agency and stuff, you know. But now they don't have to, now they just pay that agency a flat fee. I guarantee you that agency does not provide the same level for their workers that Villanova provided when Villanova was, was, was their employee. Okay, uh, uh, manual labor, unskilled industrial jobs, garment and food preparation. How many of you guys work in the chicken factory? Oh, that one work in the chicken factory. <laughs> okay, it's not, not good, right? Smell bad. And all day long, you just you know, you can't even get it out of your clothes, right? You can't get out of your body, right? It's just guts and stuff all over the floor. It's terrible, right? Food preparation, all those types of jobs, right? We sit, right? Minimum wage, okay? Less pay for identical jobs, right? And so, you know, uh, uh, a white worker might get more uh, for having the identical job that a black worker gets. Uh, under the board economy, right? Under the board, right? You know, everybody in my neighborhood works. Absolutely everybody, right? They might not have a job, right? But they do work, right? My grandfather raised a family of eight. Right, he never had a job in his life. Right, but he raised a family of eight because he worked at a he worked in an area in Baltimore. I'm from Baltimore, right? Working in an area in Baltimore, not unlike this area here, right? He was a he was a gardener, right? Actually, he was a landscaper, right? As far as I'm concerned, you know, when I go back and think about him in my memory, right? He was a landscaper, right? He kept his equipment out here. He'd get on a bus. Ride out here, lived in the inner city, get on the bus, ride out here, get his equipment, go to several different places, you know, whatever, you know, take care of their lines and so forth, put his equipment away, get back on the bus. Got paid under the table, never got a check, never collected Social Security, never got workman's comp if he got sick, right? Uh, 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 if he couldn't work, he didn't get paid, right? You know, uh, uh, no vacation time. Right, and his work was seasonal, so he had to kind of keep, he had to have enough money to last through the, through the winter, right? And yet the American society would look at him and say he was unemployed. And yet he worked every single day of his life, right? Uh, uh, under, the, under the table, right? They, 
they, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, they have this, you know, uh, uh, this hidden economy, right, that, that exists within, within, within my neighborhood, right? Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that that hidden economy does is, though, is that it creates, you know, it's not just the hidden economy, but the economy in itself. For instance, if you go into an Italian neighborhood, you see that money, you see a dollar bill go from the Italian baker to the Italian butcher to the Italian cleaners, and so forth, right? So that that dollar circulates five or six times within that neighborhood. In my neighborhood, that dollar comes in and goes right back out. It comes in and goes right back out, right? Uh, uh, so that hidden economy doesn't really, uh, it only ever benefits usually one, uh, 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 one individual, right? We have little manufacturing. This is my first time, I get the, I get the Villanova, right? They ask me all sorts of questions at Villanova, right? They say to me, they say, they say, look, they say, look, they said, Italians lived in your neighborhood and they got out. They say, Polish people lived in your neighborhood and they got out. Jewish people lived in your neighborhood. Last people who, last white people I can remember in my neighborhood were Jewish, right? Jewish people lived in your neighborhood and they got out. So, how come y'all can't get out? <laughs> you know, seems like a good question to me at the time. I said, yeah, that's a good question. How come we can't get out? <laughs> you know, but then I think about it, right? And I look at what's going on. For instance, they used to make uh, 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 Gibbs pork and beans, which is Hunt's ketchup now. They used to make them in my neighborhood. They, uh, Revlon had a factory in my neighborhood. Converse. We used to call them Beta Bullets back then. Beta Bullets had a factory in my neighborhood. They're Converse now, right? Beta Bullet went from my neighborhood in Baltimore City, inner city Baltimore, and went from inner city in Baltimore to Baltimore County. They went from Baltimore County to Mexico. They went from Mexico to the Philippines. They went to the Philippines to Korea, all in search of what? Cheap labor, right? Cheap labor. You gotta think now, if you want those $125 converses, you can't make them in my neighborhood. Labor costs would be too high, right? And so you want those cheap converses, and those cheap, the only way you can get those cheap converses is for them to be made in Korea. And so we see all sorts of trade agreements being created that's going to open up trade so that we can trade back and forth to, to uh, Korea, but at sometimes at, at, at different expenses. We had a giant bakery in my neighborhood. We had a giant laundry in my neighborhood, right? Now, all those buildings are still there. <laughs> you know, they're all empty. They're all rat infested. They're all empty. They're just empty shelves, right? These, uh, uh, they're, they're long railroad tracks that, that run through my neighborhood, right? And they're all empty. You can go in there. They're burnt out shelves of a building. And we see the exact same thing. If you go into Philadelphia, you go into the Honey Park area, you'll see the exact same thing. I walk through there. I think I'm in my neighborhood. I think I'm in Baltimore. You know, it's, it looks exactly the same to me. All right? All right. Uh, uh, lack benefits, you got to think about, like I said, my grandfather, he never got workman's comp. He never got, he never got uh, unemployment. He never got Vacation time, you know, I got any of that stuff, right? High unemployment, and of course, you know, you know, you get hurt, you get sick. The unemployment's high, right? And high debt, right? You know, if you if you live in my neighborhood, the uh, interest rate 
that you pay for a credit card is going to be higher. The interest rate that you pay for a house is going to be higher. The interest rate that you pay for just a, just a loan is simply going to be higher based on, not supposed to be, but based on both race and both, both location, right? Even though it's not, not supposed to be. I guarantee you it is, right? Inadequate transportation, you gotta think. Once Beta Bullet moved from Baltimore City to Baltimore County, all those people who didn't have a job that worked there couldn't get the, to the job anymore, right? They had, or either they had to catch the bus, right? You know, and, 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 and so immediately, you know, they, uh, 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 they have to incur a transportation cost. Right now, right now, if I live in West Philadelphia, in the city of West Philadelphia, I have to get on a bus, I have to take that bus down to Central Station, right down, downtown, Central Station. I get on the uh, R5, right, down to Center City, right? I get on the R5, I ride that R5 all the way out to Paoli. Once I get off the R5 in Paoli, there is a van waiting there to take me to my manufacturing job. I have to pay, that the company provides that I have to pay for. So you got to think of all the transportation costs that it takes for me to get to my job up past Paoli, right? Housing is a joke. You know, in my neighborhood, you know, you know in, in, in the county, people live like this. In my neighborhood, we live like this, right? I, I, live, I was born and raised in a house that was a single-family dwelling that had six families in it. Right, um, it was made for a single family. Uh, uh, when that last family moved out, that last Jewish family moved out, right? They uh, they uh, uh, made the first floor. They made apartments out of the first floor, front and back. Second floor, front and back. Third floor, front and back. Right. So they made six apartments out of uh, out of a building that was designed for one family. Uh, at first, we had coal, right? But then we changed the oil. And so once we changed the oil, we didn't need all that space in the basement anymore, so they threw another apartment down there, right? So, we, so I ended up in an apartment with uh, 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 seven families designed for, for one, living on top of each other. They call it hyperinflation, right? We don't see that coming. You know, there are no slums in my neighborhood. Well, I mean, there's poor sections in my neighborhood, but the slums don't come into existence until the New Deal, right? <laughs> once the New Deal hits, that's when we start to really see this inadequate housing and boarding and so forth, right? People living on, on top of one another, right? And of course, there's all sorts of racial competition There's up that creates racial animosity. I don't have my, uh, they, don't, they didn't give me a room with a, with a blackboard, right? They didn't give me a whiteboard, they didn't want me to talk too much about right? <laughs> But anyway, I do this thing called wages of whiteness. Maybe I, if, if, if I showed it, I, it comes across a little better, but maybe I can explain it to you, right? Think, think of, I'm gonna be arbitrary, okay? So I'll be arbitrary, okay? Think of this, I am a white worker, I have a union. I don't allow black people to join my union, right? Okay, I have a union. I have a job that I'm working that costs $10 an hour, right? I figure that me and my union buddies, we get together, we figure we can make $15 an hour on that job, right? And so we get together, we say, hey, we can make $15 an hour, so we go on a strike to try to get that $15 an hour, right? Meanwhile, the boss, you know, he don't like white, he don't like black workers, but 
Now he, you know, he's kind of forcing I need my work done. So he goes out and he hires a bunch of black guys to, uh, 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 to work for $5 an hour. Do the same job for $5 an hour, right? They're called strike breakers, right? You know what we call strike breakers in American society? Anybody? Anybody? I don't know what we call strike breakers in American society. We call them scabs, black festering sores. That's what we call them in American society, right? Uh, 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 now, $5 an hour, of course, the strike is going to do what? Fail, because the work is getting done and it's getting done cheaper, right? And so the strike fails, right? Okay, so, so I'm out of a job, right? Because the strikes fail. I need my job back. So I go back to the, the company owner and I say to the company owner, look, I need my job back, right? Forget the union. I don't care about the union anymore. I need my job back. The guy says, well, you know, you got to think the company owner, he never wanted the black workers in the first place. He'd much rather have white workers. So he says, okay, yeah, you can have your job back but remember that $10 an hour you used to get? You don't get that anymore, right? Now, I'm not gonna insult you and pay you the $5 that I pay those white work, I mean, those black workers, but now, if you want your job back, $7.50. We call seven, that $7.50 is the wages of whiteness. Because I am white, instead of me getting $10 an hour, I get $7.50 an hour, right? Call it the wages of whiteness, right? And you gotta think of, and who am I mad at if I'm the white worker? Who am I mad at? Well, a couple of right? But I'm also mad at those black workers, because if it wasn't for those scabs, one for those black workers, then I would not only be making 10, but I'd be probably making $15 an hour, right? And so we see all sorts of racial animosity, competition over jobs, competition over housing, all those types of things, right? Right? And what you see is that there's higher profits from, 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 from poor labor, right? You know, it's just, high, it's just higher profits, right? And that's the heart and the soul of undevelopment. You got to think. For instance, there's a, a mall, right? I've said my neighborhood so many times, maybe I can say community. Okay. In my community, right, there's this mall, right, black mall, right? And uh, it's got all the same stores that you see at King of Prussia. Well, no, nah, <laughs> yeah, it's right? But it's you know, the basic stores. It's got all the same basic stores that you see at King of Prussia, right? For instance, Tom McGann Shoe Store. They got one in King of Prussia, they got one in Mondarm, and that's the name of the ball in my neighborhood, right? The same store in, 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 in Mondarm, in the Black Mall, the shoe will cost $34.95. At King of Prussia, the shoe will cost $29.95. Now, there's a reason why. Because if you live around Mondama, you're kind of not that mobile. If you live in that community, you don't have the same type of transportation. If you live, if you can make it to King of Prussia, you can probably make it to Plymouth Meeting. You can probably make it to Granite Run. You can probably make it to uh, 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 Springfield. So you, and they know that. And so they realize that they are in competition with one another. And so, yeah, we have to keep those prices lower because we are in competition with one another. Mondarmin, they're not in competition. But grocery store that's there, it's not in competition. So I'm saying shoes, but think about milk. Think about bread. Think about the very basics. 
those also being a higher price because those people are, don't have the same type of mobility, and so they, they uh, and so they, uh, 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 and so there's profit in that in, 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 in people being poor, right? And that becomes that heart and soul uh, uh, of underdevelopment. I mean, it truly is the heart and soul of that underdevelopment, right? And we have all sorts of field <coughs> policies, programs on the left. I don't care if they're Republican. I don't care if they're Democratic. They don't work. I don't see none of them work. I haven't seen any of them work. That, uh, 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 Nixon. Nixon flew a helicopter into my community, right? Flew a helicopter, right? It was a big deal. Everybody got out, you know, everybody was, and they were creating enterprise zones, and these enterprise zones were supposed to bring companies into the community, and those companies, of course, were supposed to bring jobs. Well, the enterprise zone, they did make it, but it turned out to be just a whole bunch of empty buildings, right? The only two companies ever relocated to the enterprise zone, and quite frankly, one of those companies was already in the neighborhood, right? And so, really, failed policies on, on, on the right and on the left, right? You know? Uh, we also have, of course, uh, 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 undocumented workers, immigrant workers, right? You know, uh, uh, you know we, we see what we see, what we have here is we see that there's political and economic upheaval in many of the places across the globe, right? Some of that upheaval comes about because of globalization. Some of that upheaval comes about uh, uh, because of, 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 of trade agreements like NAFTA. I mean, how I many guys read, read the Catholic Worker? You know the Catholic Worker? You know, it's the newspaper that's right next to the Villanovan, the one with the, with the spider webs on it. <laughs> pick one up. <laughs> okay, pick one up, right? Uh, NAFTA, right? Illegal immigration, right? Illegal alien, how do you call it? Undocumented workers, right? Mexico. After the 1911 revolution, Mexico divided up the land among the peasants, gave the peasants land. The peasants, people, grew corn on that land. Whatever, corn, whatever surplus corn, they took the market, a few pennies, supplement their lives. Pretty much lived that way all the way like until NAFTA, right? NAFTA comes, NAFTA opens up markets, opens up markets for American goods, right? And so what American goods do they, we send down there? Because of our agribusiness, agri because we're able to produce so cheaply, we send corn down there, right? And so it becomes, less expensive, it becomes cheaper to buy American corn than to raise corn yourself. So now, I'm not raising any corn on my land, I'm buying American corn, right? And so, you know, that's cheaper than the corn that I grow, so now I can't make any surplus, I can't make any money. NAFTA also says, America's put this in the treaty, that part of, part of what happened after the revolution is said, they said that these people can never sell the land. NAFTA comes along, NAFTA says now the people can sell the land. So now they can't grow corn on it, can't make any money off of the land, and so the only thing that they have that's worth anything is the land. And so they turn around and guess who they sell the land to? American agribusiness. <coughs> very people who make the, who sold the corn to undercut them in the first place. So now they don't have any land. 
So guess where they come? Yes. Anybody? Yes. Come across the board. Looking for economic. Yes. Looking for economic. Uh, 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 the promise of America, right? You gotta think. You know, all sorts of problems are created, right? Uh, uh, I come across the border. I'm pregnant. I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm pregnant. I come across the border. I have my baby. I'm a Mexican citizen. Guess what? My baby is born in America. Is an American citizen. So now I'm an illegal alien, and my child is an American. So what now? <laughs> what do we do? You know. I mean, how do we? How, I mean, what do we do about that? Right? Oh, we, we, we still haven't figured that out. What do we do about that kind of thing, right? <coughs> Globalization, NAFTA. We got all sorts of people who are trying to get every place, right? Mexicans, Cubans, Haitians, Filipinos, all sorts of Asians, Vietnamese, right? Uh, uh, we saw two waves of, of Vietnamese boat people, they called them, right? We saw the Cubans coming over in waves, Haitians coming over in waves, right? By the way, American society is not the only nation, right? Germany has an immigration problem. Uh, uh, Britain, of course, has an immigration problem. France has an immigration problem. The, 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 the shortest distance between Africa and Europe is right there in the Straits of Gibraltar, you know, right, right there where the Straits of Gibraltar is, right? Um, it's about seven miles apart, right? It's a dying field. I mean, it's a, I mean, people are dying trying to get from Africa to Europe for economic, you know, reasons, right? To try to get a better life, right? And what happens is often, you know, we hear about the stories here in American society about how, you know, you open up, you know, this uh, 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 this this uh, a van that has all these illegal aliens in it, but they get some unscrupulous people there in the middle of the Mediterranean, uh, uh, and those people leave them, and they're stuck in the middle of the Mediterranean, a storm comes along, the boat sinks, they all die. Terrible situation, right? Saudi Arabia has an immigration problem, right? Uh, they also are undocumented. You got to think of the undocumented people. They, they've got this hidden economy. They get low under the board's pay, right? You know, uh, you know, they can't even speak up because, of course, they are undocumented, and so they can't even speak up, right? You know, uh, you know. Uh, they, they have to go through brokers, they go through contracts, as I said before, to end up in the middle of the Mediterranean, to end up in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the uh, Baja Straits, to end up any any of those places, right? And of course, they exploit it because, after all, they can't really say anything. And you talk about the wages of whiteness. All you have to do, take black out, put undocumented uh, uh, workers in, and you have the same situation, right? Uh, I had a, 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 a white guy told me he owned a roofing company. He said he, he, he just can't make any money anymore because uh, 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 undocumented workers undercut his prices. And so, you know, if, you know, you know, you know he charges $3,000 for the roof. They charge $1,500 for the roof. Of course, he, he also said he makes, he makes a lot of money correcting their mistakes, right? But that's a different story, right? But he gets, uh, 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 he gets uh, undercut by undocumented workers, right? And of course, by them being, uh, you know, they end up e either in rural America or urban America, and they, they suffer uh, the worst of both. 
Okay? Uh, poor working conditions, sweatshops. You gotta think, if you want those cheap shoes, you know, you know how much it costs to make a baseball? 36 cents. You know how much we sell baseballs for in American society? About $14. 36 cents is how much we pay uh, Haiti to make baseballs. And yet we sell the, the, the Haiti ain't that far away. Pattern Haiti, right? Sweatshops, right? Few rights, no benefit, lack of legal protection, and once again, they don't have a whole lot of reports, can't go any place, can't say anything after all, they're undocumented, right? And uh, there's always that threat of deportation, of course, unfavorable policies. We gotta deal with this situation. I mean, there are about eight, nine million uh, undocumented workers in American society, many of them with children who are Americans. Right, and so I mean, it's something we have to we have to deal with. I don't know exactly what to do. If I did, I'd do it and make a million dollars. <laughs> you know, they always ask me because I teach Black History at Villanova, right? You know, I, I tell them, "What do you teach at Villanova?" I say, "Racism." They say, "You got to teach them how to do that." I say, "No way, you know, I don't have to teach them." <laughs> you know, so I teach them my racism, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> you know, they they're always asking me. They say. They say, uh, 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 they say, oh, I what I was saying, I forget <laughs> Anyway, I move on, right? Lots of political and social inequalities. The dynamics of all of this, right? The dynamics of this degradation, right? They do, they ask me all sorts of questions. They say, where is this? They say, they say, look, these my colleagues, right? That's what I'm talking about tonight. I don't care, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, the name of my book is going to be, you know, I've been in Villanova for 20 years, right? The name of my book is going to be, I Call Them Racist and They Love Me For Them, right? <laughs> but, but, but anyway, they say, they say, how come you were able to get out of your neighborhood and other people weren't able to get out of your, aren't able to get out of your neighborhood? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, gee. That's not like a good question too, <laughs> right? I mean, no, I'm right? And I said, wait a minute, hold on. No, that's not right. I said, like I said, everybody in my neighborhood works. Some, everybody don't have a job, but everybody works, right? Everybody grabs at the brass ring every single day. Grab at the brass ring. I just happened to one day grab at it and looked up and it was in my hand. Other than that, you know, at any point in the time, any point in time, I could have gotten into the car and my whole life would have been different at any point in time, right? So, you know, why? I just don't know, right? Political and social inequality, right? Maintaining this underclass, okay? Limited influence, you know, don't vote, not allowed to vote, and of course we see with voter registration laws not being allowed, it's starting to increase, but in some ways, people don't even care. You know, I'm a member of the American Legion, right? The American guys in the American Legion say Republican, Democrat, what's the difference? There is no difference, you know? You know they might act like they're different, but when the bottom line comes, they're, they're both basically the same. We elected a black mayor, right? First black mayor, right? You know, he was black mayor for 12 years. He got elected, first mayor ever in the history of Baltimore, right? We elected him. Everybody was old, happy day, right? You know, uh, 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 we thought things were going to change. 
Nothing changed, right? Nothing changed. Everybody who was poor before he became man was poor after he left office. Didn't make any difference. As a matter of fact, there are some of us who believe that because Baltimore had a black man, businesses left rather than came, right? And so, what difference doesn't make who you vote for? It's gonna be about the same, right? No independent capital base. I, the guy I live next door to is a white guy, right? He owns a, his house, I own my house, right? You know, he uh, he lost his job. He out on the porch sipping lemonade. I'm looking at him. I'm saying, what? I thought you lost your job. He said, I did. He said, he said, I said, well, ain't you looking for another? He said, no, I'm not going to look for another job right away. I'm going to take about six months off. I couldn't, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even make my mouth say those words, right? I mean, the difference between him and me is he had wealth and I had income. Even though we're in the same social economic bracket, his wealth trumped my income because if I lose my job, if I lose this job at Villanova, but I'm not going to lose my job at Villanova. Any y'all in the class of 2016? When you leave, I'm leaving. <laughs> okay, when you throw up your hat, I'm going to throw up my hat, except for I'm not going to look for mine. <laughs> God, right? But, uh, 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 you know, um, I keep losing track because I keep going off. Oh, I can't help myself. I have retired in two years, right? It's been fun. I teach black history to white students. I have a ball doing it, right? Sometimes I don't know what, I, what y'all talking about. <laughs> Sometimes y'all know what I'm talking about. That's okay. okay. I have a good time doing it. <laughs> anyway. No independent capital banks, right? No independent capital banks, right? Lack of leadership. Uh, we don't have any black, no black students in, 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 in here, right? Because I asked the black students, I said, I look at the black students, I say to them, I say, I say, uh, is Jesse Jackson your leader? They look at me and laugh. They say, is Al Shock? I say, is Al Shock? Then they look is your leader, they look at me and really laugh. <laughs> right. And so, and so well, who are your leaders, right? And so, well, you know, uh, 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 not really. You know, not really. Maybe a local person here or there, but, but not really, right? But who does the media go to? Something happens that affects black America, who do they go to? They go to Al Sharpton. They go to Reverend Jackson, right? Why? Because they can get that two minute, that, not even two minute, all they need is like a, a 15 second sound bite. And, and, and Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton know how to deliver, right? So they deliver that 15 second sound bite that has no analysis of the, of the situation or the problem. It's merely basically going to be rhetoric, right? Lack of organization, lack of leadership, all that kind of, kind of thing, right? Okay? And of course, there's always that assumption of intellectual and cultural inferiority, right? You know, uh, in, in one of my le I had to tell you, it's, it still exists. So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm updating my lecture on stereotypes, right? Slave stereotypes like, like Mammy and Sambo and Buck. And, and the, so I'm updating the lecture, right? And so I said to myself, I said, okay, well, let me see if there any of these, if they got Obama in any of these stereotypes, right? And so I typed in Obama racial stereotypes. I typed it in Google image search. Whatever you do, do not type in Obama stereo, racial stereotypes in the Google search. Because, like, oh, 
million <laughs> pictures. Just, I mean, they just come out. I mean, they show him as everything that's out there. They show him as a gangster. They show him as Bammy. They show him as Sambo. They show him as Jezebel. They show him as Nat. They show him as Buck. They show him as a little pickaninny, right? You know, uh, 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 what's the game of it? Uh, Puckle. Right? They show him as a little pickaninny. They show him as every racial stereotype. So I said to myself, I, I said, well, I said, well, nah, it's, it, maybe this, maybe it's not just a while, right? Maybe, maybe it's just do that to presidents in general. So I typed in uh, 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 Bush racial stereotypes, right? Not there. You know, the only thing I got was him in a big giant cowboy hat. <laughs> right? It's pretty much it. It's amazing, right? Assumption of intellectual and cultural inferiority. Always the underlying bit of that, right? And of course, popular culture and, and aesthetic reinforced stereotypes and images. I, I, I play this game, right, with my, with my class. I always play games with my class. I don't know, sometimes they, they get mad at me because they don't really like the end result of my games, right? But I play this game with my class. I say, all right, let's name the black comedies, right? And, we, and I mean, they we make a game out of them. They try to outname them, right? I mean, we start, uh, uh, they, they start off with, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, things like Martin and, and, and uh, uh, Facts of Life, I mean, not Facts of Life, um, uh, what's the one's name, right? Okay, you think Meet the Browns, they go from Meet the Browns all the way to the Jeffersons, right? Show after show after show after show after show. I mean, once again, the class tri tries to outdo each other trying to name all the black comedies, Cosby, you know, all sorts of Martin, all, all of them, right? Name them one after another, right? And then they stop, and I say, I say to them now, name the black dramas. Silence. Silence, right? So I ask, so does that mean that black people are only good for laughing at in American society? Look at the media, right? Look at the people who won the Academy. Black people won Academy Awards, right? Uh, Halle Berry won Academy Award for Monsters Ball. They told me it was a groundbreaking role. I looked at Monsters Ball. She was making love to a white guy. Hollywood's been showing that ever since the beginning of Hollywood. Black women making love to, to white guys. I didn't see how groundbreaking it was. Denzel Washington won Oscars for being an angry black slave and an angry black police officer. Angry black, right? Uh, uh, Sidney Poitier. Uh, won an Oscar for being an Uncle Tom, right? He, he built a chapel for white nuns, right? Built it by hand from the ground up, you know? Stereotypes and images. Not, guys, I'm not bombarded by as many images and stereotypes as I was growing up, right? But there's still, in many ways, they're still out there, right? Of course, education system has always been a joke. They say, let's go back to the way it used to be. I don't know what it used to be. <laughs> you know, they tell me here's a joke for his American Legion. They say, they say, uh, 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 first, first they took music out, then they took art out, then they took discipline out, then they took God out, then they took their children out and left us with the rest. Right? Education's always been a joke in my neighborhood. Right? I, I used to, I. I, I I used to go have to be, I was, bu they talk about busing, I was bused past the white school, go to school, right? Tradition of denial, just one illiterate, cheap labor force. Right? Dependent, the labor force is going to be dependent on a cycle of debt, 
poverty, crime, jail, drugs, the whole nine yards, but I got hope. Okay? Alright? Of course, all sorts of global imp implications. Let's go past these, because I know it's getting kind of late, right? Let's go past the global implications. Flood markets, dependent workforce <coughs> overseas, you know, once again, necessary part of capitalist society. We have in, across the global neo-colonial system. I don't worry about it. Right? Well, define what's going on with this, what's going on here, right? It's a big trade-off. It's globalization. What is globalization? It's the movement of people and goods, capital and goods, uh, uh, across, and ideas across borders, right? You know, and, and uh, uh, you see terms like transnational, right, that goes across borders, right? Right? Creation of a, it's a, this creation of an integrated uh, a world market. And in some ways, an integrated world market, you gotta think when you open it up, when you open up those markets, you gotta think that people are gonna be influenced on both sides, you know, of, of, of the oceans, right? On both sides of the way, both sides of the Pacific, right? People are gonna be influenced, right? You have this promise of economic growth and prosperity. You've got this promise of, of democracy. I mean, it's there. Don't get me wrong. Democracy is a good thing, as far as I can see. It's a good thing, right? Democratic ideals can be spread through this globalization. But at the same time you spread those democratic ideals, you know, you often see these old enemies in new disguises, right? I mean, that racism is still there, that sexism is still going to be there, that class is still going to be very prevalent, right? And see, we see the persistence of poverty. We see the persistence of exploitation, and we see the persistence of inequality. It just continue to exist, you know, on a global scale. Right? And we have a denial of human rights, right? You know, if you want cheap shoes, you want those cheap tennis shoes, you don't worry about how those workers in Korea are being treated. You just don't. Right? You gotta go toward the future. Okay? You need to abolish underdevelopment and lessen poverty. You know, when I first got here, I used to get in trouble with the priest, right? You know, the priest used to tell me the poor will always be among us. They said, I said, that doesn't sound like a good attitude. They said, Christ said it. I said, well, Christ was wrong. And I got a whole lot of trouble with the priest. <laughs> right? But I just couldn't understand why they would, why would they insist that poor will always be among us. It just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, what, so that means what? That we're always going to have poor people? I mean, there are people who believe that there will, there will always be poor people. Right? I think we can analyze historical foundations. Of course, that's what I do. I'm a historian. That's what they say about racism, right? They say, hey, Larry, what, you know, what can you do? Uh, uh, uh. Oh, that's what they tell me. They say, they look at me, they say, oh, because I teach black history, they say, oh, oh what, uh, well, Larry, what can you do about racism in American society? Like, I really know. <laughs> you know I just look at them, and this is why I tell them, right? I tell them this. I say to them, I'm trying to stop, and if you try to stop, maybe everybody will look at you and me, and they'll try to stop as well, right? So I, I don't play with them anymore, right? I say we need to reinvent capitalism. Usually, I take off my jacket now because I'm not scared of none of y'all, okay? 
I'm going to say that we need a more equitable distribution of wealth. I said it. I'm not taking it back at all. I don't care what none of y'all say. I'm not afraid of you anyway because I can't tell you. Okay? All right? That's right. Beginning points. Socialize. I said, did y'all hear? I said, socialize. Three areas. I believe in free markets. The three areas. Healthcare. Why should you? Why should you get better health? Because you got money. Doesn't make any sense. Everybody should have adequate health care, seems to me. I've, I had that up there before Obama did, by the way. <laughs> uh, education. Why should a Villanova even exist? You don't come to Villanova to get equal education. You don't care about equal education. You come to Villanova to get a better education so you can be better than the next. That doesn't sound like equality, wanting to be better than the next, right? And of course, justice. In American society, it's not about justice. It's not about you know whether you did. It's about winning and losing, right? If you can win, and money favors the winners, right? And so if you have money, you can get off, right? All right, the ultimate question is, does this person have the right to work and receive wages that contribute to an adequate standard of living in a basic human? Is it a basic human? That's the ultimate question. I don't know. You guys have to answer it for yourself, right? Are there any questions? Were you cold this day? I'm done with you. If there's no questions, I can talk, I can, you know, I can go all day long. <laughs>